Thrill Me. This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here's your host, Mr. Wonderful. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show. Uh, I apologize if you hear any type of mowing in the background. It's summertime where I do my recording and I cannot control when the landscaping company swings around through the radio station. But uh, happy you could be here on this uh, new episode and do want to start the show off by, of course, uh, handling a little bit of business. If you haven't done it yet, uh, please like, subscribe, rate, and review this show wherever you are listening on all streaming platforms. Also, head on over to the Facebook page, Throw Me Podcast Network. Give it a like. That's how you can stay up to date on all of the Throw Me Podcast Network shows. That includes this show, uh, Tomorrow, Zach Speakeasy, Mondays, we have you covered uh, with Tombstone Josh and the Metal Groove and the Review at Rob show, which does uh, an entertainment dive into all the headlines. While this show uh, does go into the headlines, we also cover other things. Also, uh, at the Throw Me Podcast Network Facebook page, you can check out the latest episode of Haunters Podcast. Very special guest this week. It's from the Halfway to Halloween celebration that we just had this past weekend as we were helping to raise funds uh, and and get hate out of the honk community and uh, make the honk community a much better place. Uh, it's the interview, or I, I shouldn't say interview, it's the conversation that Zach and Jimmy from the Horrific Network had uh, during the Saturday panel. So you can go check that episode out. Haunters Podcast, back in full swing as well. Uh, new episodes of that drop every single uh, Sunday, Monday. You know, it's it happens. Sunday early release Monday. Also, uh, the Patreon is up and running as well. So if you go and you like us on the Throw Me Podcast Network Facebook page, you can see the Patreon link. There is a brand new episode. We've dove back into it, the Crypt of Horror is a show that I did on the Haunters Podcast Patreon page that we shut down as we started to merge with uh, Tombstone Josh and Review at Rob and started to create this this Throw Me Podcast network because we knew that we had something good and we knew that they had something good and we wanted to merge and mega powers it up and become a, a much bigger network. So when we shut that down, that meant that the Crypt of Horror show went on a little hiatus, but the Throw Me Podcast Network Patreon is up. You can subscribe to that, and uh, you can check out the tiers there. If you join the $5 tier, you can get all of the brand new episodes of Crypt of Horror, plus you get to go back, so you can start, go way back, watch episode one, season one, episode two of season one, listen to the first episode, and then catch up. We are in season four of Tales from the Crypt right now, and man, what a time that has been. So you can go listen to the first episode when it was just beginning, and then see where the show is at now. Uh, that is exclusively on the Patreon page for Throw Me Podcast Network. Uh, and if you haven't done it yet as well, we have a YouTube, Throw Me Podcast Network, a great place to go. Tombstone Josh dropping amazing content there. So is Zach. I'm not pulling my weight there, so don't really expect to see much from me, but great interviews are up there, uh, video reactions, all that good stuff. So a lot of the things that you're like, hey, why aren't they being covered in the Mr. Wonderful show? It's because 
Zach's got you covered on a lot of those trailer reactions over on the YouTube page uh, and review it. Rob's got you covered on a lot of the news of the week. I like to bring you some of the more breaking news that happens uh, between his show and my show, but also different ways of kind of talking about this. Uh, so let's just get into it. We're actually going to switch things up from the way that we've done things before because uh, really have two things to get to. Uh, one of them is that Top Gun is opening this weekend. So I came across an article that broke down the 21 best Tom Cruise performances. I decided I put together my list of top 10 Tom Cruise performances that I like, and then I will share that list of the 21 greatest performances for you. Uh, but want to start things off actually with a review, uh, and we're going to talk about the Rescue Rangers movie that is out right now, the Chippendale Rescue Rangers, which has been rebooted for Disney Plus, this film, uh, was announced a while back, actually talked about it on the show, actually talked about how the trailer really didn't sell me on this. I was very excited when I heard when Disney said we're going to bring back Chippendales, the Rescue Rangers, that is. Uh, there's a joke in the movie about that with Chippendale. But I was very excited about that because I grew up on the original television series. That was something I watched as a kid. That was the the, the literally the first thing that I watched when I got when Disney Plus launched and I paid them the $7.99 because I didn't bundle yet. Uh, I've bundled since then. Hey, Disney, give me some money. <laughs> but the first thing I watched was I started watching Chippendale Rescue Rangers from the very first episode. So I watched the pilot and I watched all the way up to the very end. So like I've I've watched Chippendale. That was the thing. Everybody was like, oh my God, the Marvel movies. Oh my God, Star Wars. And everybody ran to that stuff. And everybody was like, holy crap, did you see that they got the uh, alternate scenes on Disney Plus for Avengers? That's great. And I'm like, oh my God, Chippendale Rescue Rangers is, uh, still holds up. This show is awesome. Uh, like my childhood rocked that this is what I got to watch. But then that first trailer dropped and I went, oh no. Oh, no, 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 no. This is not going to be the movie that I want. This is going to piss me off. This is going to be Alvin and the Chipmunks. This is going to be all of those. This is going to be the Smurfs. It's going to be every one of those films that more or less knows the takes the basic shell and then CGI's it up, modernizes it up, and it it, it works because the kids love it, but it's so void for the parents because it's not their thing like there's some cuteness in there but it's not really made for them it's just we're taking the ip you know because you're going to show up and we're really just marketing it to your kids in a lesser cool way so i was worried that the chippendale rescue rangers movie was was heading that route of ah crap disney just kind of grabbed their ip and was like yay and i cannot lie as well i don't know if i said it then but i'll say it now if i didn't say it back then the idea of John Mulaney and Andy Samberg voicing Chip and Dale, respectively, the writing team of Lonely Island, like, that worried me. I like Lonely Island stuff, but I was like, and I like Andy Samberg and John Mulaney. For the most part, I really enjoy a lot of their stuff, but there was just something, like, a lot of it wasn't sitting well with me. It was very nerve-wracking. It was very, oh, God, what is this going to be? And now let's fast forward to this now being on Disney+, Plus, the film being out, and telling you that 
every one of my fears that I had from the idea of this being just a really bad attempt to reboot something by selling it to the audience that knows it, but really marketing it to their kids in a, in a very bad way. Uh, all of the fears I had for this. Melanie and Sandberg is Chip and Dale. Uh, the CGI portion of this film. All of it. I am very happy to say that none of it mattered. This film is fun from the very beginning to the very end. It knows the heart of Chippendale Rescue Rangers. It tells a very great story about friendship. It's Who Framed Roger Rabbit of the new generation with the merging of the animated world with the real world. So it wasn't a hard reboot in the sense of like, this is a world where Chippendale actually exists and humans and animation interact just like who framed Roger Rabbit. And I love that. That was the idea. I love that, that that was the play. And I love it how well it works in this movie. The human cast does a wonderful job as well as the voice cast. Like it's, I cannot say anything bad about the cast. Uh, the concept of this film, the plot in Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Chippendale, again, living amongst cartoons and humans in modern day L.A. Their lives are quite different now from the decades, decades since the successful television series was canceled. Uh, that's when Chip has to come to a life of suburban domestic uh, domesticality as, as an insurance salesman. Dale is gotten CGI surgery, works the nostalgia convention circuit, which, by the way, we're going to have awesome con coverage for you here in about two and a half weeks or so. Uh, that is the first weekend in June, so I'll be covering that. Uh, going to be uh, a lot to talk about with that. They're very big 90s Nickelodeon kids. You're going to want to stick around because uh, they have the Sabrina cast, which means Melissa Joan Hart uh, is there talking Sabrina, but also going to be talking Clarissa explains it all and being a Nick kid. Uh, and they're doing a Nick kid session because Kel Mitchell is going to be there. Noah Schapp is going to be there. So big, awesome con. We'll talk about that later though, back into Chip and Dale. Uh, but he's been working the con convention circuit, uh, really wanting to relive those glory days. That's when a former cast member mysteriously disappears. So Chip and Dale must repair their broken friendship, take on the Rescue Rangers detective personas once again in the real life to save their friend's life. Uh, the jokes in this movie, uh, I, I gotta say, absolutely nail it. Uh, again, this this film, while it understands Chip and Dale, in my opinion, really understands what what makes the core of the originals so good has something to say in this entire story. And the jokes have something to say as well. Like there is a message in this movie that I, I cannot stress enough, uh, really talking about the idea of Hollywood, child actors, how Hollywood treats actors, aging actors, aging child actors. There is so much to say about the industry in this movie that I was not expecting that again, from the writing team of Lonely Island. I wasn't expecting the jokes to not pander for the cheap kid laugh, but to actually rely and trust that the audience is going to laugh. The kids are going to laugh at this, but the adults are going to laugh at this. And to balance that out, this film had one reference to a fart. One reference. This is a kid's movie. Or it's supposed to be a kid's movie. That's that's the go-to. I, I, I watched the Penta Verte uh, 
the Mike Myers show. And there's a lot more references to that type of stuff in that than there was in the Chip and Dale movie. So, and that's not a shot at that show. Uh, I'll, I, maybe I'll give you a review of that show, actually. I didn't have it on the docket, but maybe I'll do a quick review of that right after this. Uh, but, you know, this film really did trust its audience. And for that, we're rewarded as the audience. We're rewarded with a very smart, clever, modern take on Chippendale Rescue Rangers, commentary on Hollywood and the industry, and a film that respects the audience the entire step of the way. Which means you're probably saying, Nick, where's the but? Where's the but? Where's your issue? Because normally I, I, I have an issue. With, I, I can pick some things apart. Really, with this film, I can't pick anything apart except for the fact that this film, I'd say, shows the potential of what the door to streaming services can do, especially the ones that have IP, the Disney's, the HBO's, the stuff like that, like the ones that actually own the Peacock's, the, the ones that own IPs can really do something with their streaming services. And that's what this film shows with how strong it is. But that also brings me to the negative part of if streaming services have become known for being a dumping ground and, and this potentially proves that it's not a dumping ground. I'm going to ask the question of why wasn't this released in, in theaters? That's my biggest complaint is that I think this is a film that absolutely deserved to go to theaters and not what streaming services have become known to be, which again, I know it's, it shows what the door could be with these IPs. But, but I do think that this is a film that there was potential to make a lot of money in theaters with this especially this time of the year, heading into Memorial Day. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about Top Gun, and Top Gun is absolutely going to dethrone Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness this weekend. And the only other animated film out this weekend is going to be the Bob's Burgers movie, which I will be seeing that at some point. But I'm not excited, excited for that. Where Chippendale Rescue Rangers, I think, offered a much broader family audience that this could have been a theater release. This could have been a theatrical release. This could have made money and a lot of money. But again, you know, that's that's really kind of a small pick, I think. It's, it's more the idea of like, oh, crap, this is absolutely a theatrical film. Like, this could should have been, not could have been, should have been shown on a big screen. But that's because we still have kind of this view of streaming services and that they're a dumping ground for a lot of films that aren't that good. Listen, I, there are a few movies that have been put on streaming that, you know, I've had this conversation with Zach before, cause he's asked the question name, you know, he's asked name a good streaming movie. We finally have one that we can point at. And I've argued for the idea of wanting to point at them, but now I'm no, I'm kind of contradicting myself, but I'm also right now just thinking of theaters in general and how they still need a boost in the arm coming out of the COVID era and this would have been a good one. You know, it's not bank, it's an IP, but it's not banking on the Dr. Strange version of an IP where it's, here's the 275th film, an entire franchise of films that is now setting us off into the next phase of our multi-layered eight year plan. That's then going to open a new door into another 10 year plan. And, you know, we're, we're embedded in that where, of course, that's going to make money. We're Chippendale Rescue Rangers banking on the nostalgic of, 
of, you know, older millennials, um, younger Gen Xers to come together and go, hell yeah, I'm going to take my kids to go see that. Or in my case still, hell yeah, I'm going to ask my fiance if she wants to go. And if she doesn't, I'm going opening night by myself to a kid's film. I've done it before. The Incredibles 2 and Frozen 2. Opening night by myself. Pack theater. I was that guy. Yep. And it was worth it for both of those films. And it would have been worth it for Chippendale Rescue Rangers. But we got it on Disney+. Plus. So if you don't have Disney+, Plus, I do recommend go. Get it. Watch this film. This film is absolutely wonderful. Just a, a true fun, family-friendly film. But not dumbed down to where it's depressing to watch as an adult. It, it, it trusts its audience. It knows its audience. And uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a film worth checking out. All right. I said uh, I'd probably do a quick review of it. So uh, yeah, I got to watch the Mike Myers series on the Netflix right now, The Pentaveret. And I got to say, it was a fun series. Uh, speaking of things that are timely and have something to say, I didn't expect to walk away and go, oh, Mike Myers clearly had something to say, wasn't just making, you know, wasn't just riffing. So uh, the show does have some cool kind of twist along the way and then does have a bit of a message at the end. Getting there might be a little bit of at times a drag, but for the most part, it's nice to have Mike Myers back playing the multiple roles. It's really funny when it when it hits. Like there are some jokes where, it, listen, the fiance had no interest in watching it and at one point, she did overhear one of the jokes and she kept laughing for a good five minutes post the joke. And it was just all about conspiracy theories. And, and one of the characters talking about how he was QAnon, then he was QAnon and on, and then learned that both of them were bogus. But, and it just caught her off guard. And it's not really a spoiler. It's actually in one of the, when you go scroll over it on Netflix, it plays for you on one of the ones because you know you either get the trailer you get trailer one you can get trailer two or you can get like a clip from the show so it's one of the clips from the show it plays because it is a really funny joke and like it got her and she kept laughing but it is overall a a fun show and an entertaining show and nice to have Mike Myers back doing the things that I know for me growing up young millennial but having Gen X brothers watching Saturday Night Live with them because you want to stay up with your brother on a Saturday night when you don't have to get up for school the next morning. So staying up and watching SNL with them, getting, you know, Mike Myers was one of my favorites, so getting to see Mike Myers do that type of character playing again and the Austin Powers stuff. Not that Austin Powers pops up, but I will say one of his characters does pop up in this show. Uh, Nobody from So I Married an Axe Murderer, which... Would have made the most sense considering that's where the Pentaveret conversation came from. But one of his more iconic characters definitely pops up at some point in this television show. And it's just a bonkers fun ride. I really do. Easy breezy watch. It's six episodes, 30 minute episodes. Jeremy Irons does the introduction and, you know, the intro is different every single time. So, yeah, it's go give it a watch. You're going to have a good time with it, especially if you're into Mike Myers stuff and you've enjoyed his career. Uh, It is no love guru. 
We are way, 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 many, many steps above the love guru and Dr. Seuss's The Cat in the Hat. So we are way, way, way above that. All right. Last thing this week before we wrap up the show, Top Gun opening up this weekend. Thought it would be a good time to revisit some of my favorite Tom Cruise performances. And I got the idea to do this because there was a list put together of the 21 best performances of Tom Cruise's career. We'll get to that list in just a little bit. Uh, But I do want to start off with my list and kind of break down how I came up with this list. So as we get set to celebrate what I'm calling now will be the number one movie of the Memorial Day box office weekend, Top Gun Maverick, here is Mr. Wonderful's top 10 Tom Cruise performances. At number 10, Born on the Fourth of July, Let's, you know, I've seen that movie. Uh, I remember seeing it very young. I remember how powerful that performance was. And hey, Tom Cruise was nominated for an Academy Award for that performance. Actually, uh, I believe that was his first Academy Award nomination was that film. So, yeah, Born on the Fourth of July is... A movie that, yeah, it was. It was his first Academy Award nomination, uh, but just a captivating performance in that film uh, based on a true story as well, well, based on the acclaimed adaptation of the autobiography of uh, anti-war activist Ron Kovic. So, great film. If you've never seen it, uh, hey, it's Memorial Day weekend as well. So, uh, coming up. So, that's that's one to go check out. Another one uh, coming in at number nine that I have a feeling you might not have seen, and it is absolutely one that you should seek out and watch, and that is American Made. Uh, American Made, a more recent film in Tom Cruise's career. Uh, he reteamed with Edge of Tomorrow director Doug Lyman. He's shows off his typical confidence, but he shows off desperation in equal measures of a much flashier, uh, definitely a sleazier, sleazier, not sleazier, I don't know what the f- that is, sleazier, and just a truly underrated performance as, as a drug runner in the film. So if you've seen American Made, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, it is a good film. It's an enjoyable movie, uh, wild movie as well, because it's based on a true story, but Cruz's performance is top-notch in that film. Uh, Now, coming in at number eight for me is actually the movie coming out this weekend, a sequel that inspired this list, and that's Top Gun. It's a definitive performance of Cruz's early career and that real takeoff into stardom that he was going through. Like At this point, maybe this is a a masterpiece performance where he's incorporated everything that he's done prior to this, everything that he's learned. And now he's creating that first masterpiece of his career. Uh, As far as a performance goes, he's cocky, he's brash. Uh, You know, he Maverick launched him into just becoming the bona fide action hero and a sex symbol. Yeah. I remember the dude really has always kind of been a sex symbol as well. Uh, until he started jumping on a couch and stuff like that. Because like when, even when Katie Holmes first got him, and we were all like, holy crap. You know, Katie Holmes got the sexy older dude because you know, Tom Cruise was a sex symbol. 
Uh, and then he jumped on a couch. And we've all kind of just been like, now he's the dude that tries to kill himself in every movie. And I'm going to pay to watch it. Uh, but yeah, Top Gun comes in at number eight for me, which brings me to number seven. A very early performance in his career, uh, The Outsiders. He wasn't front and center, but you could see the charisma. He's great in it. And he's part of the ensemble that makes that movie so good. And I think his performance is a, is a glue to that to that cast. Uh, number six, I just blanketed this one because you can't really pick one of them. I'm, I say it's the Mission Impossible franchise. And I blanket it with, with the franchise because each film we've seen that character of Ethan Hunt continue to grow uh, with, with the cool calmness of the first film to the slow motion kung fu-ness of the second film to the things are starting to matter and fold into it and get more and more personal each time around. Uh, this This super agent that is still human at the end of the day, but again, be becoming the film of, oh, I'm going to pay to watch how Tom Cruise might kill himself. Uh, yeah, that the Ethan Hunt Mission Impossible franchise comes in at number six. Number five for me is a film that I really enjoyed when it came out. I really dug his performance in this movie because I think it's one of his most intense. He's definitely, truly a scary sociopath and portrays it brilliantly as a hitman in Michael Mann's Collateral. I mean, this could be higher, but once I start getting into the rest of this list, you're going to understand why it's not higher. But Collateral is, if you want to see a scary, intense Tom Cruise performance, that is a, a film to go check out. And Jamie Foxx is equally as good in that movie, it is truly a back and forth of acting toward a force in that film. And that's why I always enjoyed that movie. Uh, maybe it goes a little too long overall, but Collateral as a whole, wonderful film and worthy of top five for Tom Cruise performances. Now, number four for me is A Few Good Men. I think this is a bona fide performance. I think this is... Uh, that I mentioned Top Gun was 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 a masterpiece. This is this is the making of another one where this is just him at honestly, Tom Cruise at this point in his career is just really flying at at the peak of his game. Not that he ever lost it, but he is able to turn Aaron Sorkin's dialogue, just wields it so perfectly. He all of his strengths in this film are are highlighted by that dialogue, by his performance. He's just... Everything that we've come to love about a Tom Cruise performance, the character's bold, it's reckless. He, he's he's in your face. The, the Nicholson face-off in and of itself. The climax. There's a reason it's, it's everywhere, man. Like, that's a hell of a performance. Uh, number three, this might be the most, I'd say, controversial one in the sense of how high I ranked it, but I am giving his jaw-dropping performance as the hysterical, foul-mouthed Les Grossman in Tropic Thunder, the number three spot. The studio executive that was loosely based on the likes of Scott Rudin and Harvey Weinstein stole 
every single scene that he was in to the point where they even talked about doing the spinoff film based on that character. Do you remember that? Do you remember how good that performance was that they were like, what if we made an entire film based on that character and Tom Cruise reprises the role and he and and, and he was gonna he was gonna come back for that film. So yeah, that's how strong that performance is and honestly Tropic Thunder is is just a film that I've been trying to get my fiance to watch and she will not watch all because of the fact that at some point in time people come along and they try to cancel the film for the Robert Downey Jr. in blackface and I'm like that's literally the point the the, the joke is totally missed by everybody with this and that is the joke Hollywood would rather cast an Australian white guy with blue eyes in in that character than the actual person that should play that character that that's the joke. It's it's an inside Hollywood make fun of Hollywood point out Hollywood horrible in this movie, which is why Tom Cruise's character about a studio executive that is absolutely horrible to work for is funny because it's pointing out that Hollywood allows that. Number two on my list, I love this film uh, and I think his performance in this film is... Uh, incredible and it's another scary movie performance another scary Tom Cruise performance Uh, but that is interview with the vampire I think he's elegant sorrow ferocity there is so much in that character and in that role and and only Tom Cruise could pull that one off only Tom Cruise could make that honestly he's I think I think that's a scary character I think Lestat is a very scary character and it's only Tom Cruise that can make that a thing just like in Collateral I think his I think Collateral he is extremely scary because it's Tom Cruise making that happen which uh, brings us to my number one before I give you the top 10 of uh, this list that I got in front of me. Uh, yeah, we're not going to go through 21 of the best performances. This episode's already going a little too long. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do, I'll give you their top 10. But my number one favorite, Tom Cruise, and I think his best performance is one of his most grounded, one of his most human. And that is when he delivers big as a romantic lead in a sentimental story about an obsessive sports agent whose crisis of conscience enables him to bet on himself. And of course, I'm talking about Jerry Maguire. I always loved Jerry Maguire. That, for me, was the definitive... I had seen Tom Cruise movies prior to that. I knew how damn good he was. I had already seen Top Gun. I had already seen... Uh, risky business, which I probably shouldn't have. I had already seen Outsiders. You know, I, I saw Days of Thunder. I don't think I saw a few good men yet. Definitely didn't see. Yeah, definitely didn't see Interview with the Vampire. Uh, by that point, um, but Jerry Maguire, and maybe Jerry Maguire before Mission Impossible. 
because uh, that might have been the reason why I was really into seeing Mission Impossible was Jerry Maguire. But Jerry Maguire kind of struck all the nerves for me. I'm a sports guy. It was, while it's not a traditional sports movie in the sense of like Major League or um, trying to think of other ones, Necessary Roughness. Uh, oh, that's a bad comparison. Oh God, was that a bad comparison? Necessary Roughness. Uh, you know, try to think of those ones that focus more so on the, oh, Miracle. Miracle is one that I like a lot that focuses more so on the game, but Jerry Maguire is more so like Moneyball and I love Moneyball, which makes sense because I really always enjoyed Jerry Maguire because I, I like the dramatic sports movies as well that don't need to focus on the comedy, don't need to focus so much so on the game. It's there. It's a part of the story. Of course, you're going to have aspects of it, but a lot of Jerry Maguire is, is Cruz's performance. It's, it's what he's able to do. It's being that lead and it is a movie that I watched so much of growing up, so much when it came out. Uh, and I do remember there was a portion of that movie I was supposed to close my eyes every time it came up, but I closed my eyes like any other kid closes their eyes. There are a lot of gaps with my fingers when they went over the eyes. <laughs> All right, so... What is the top 10 performances according to this article in front of me? Uh, Tom Cruise, best performances in recognition of Top Gun Maverick. Well, according to this article, number 10 was Edge of Tomorrow. Number nine, Eyes Wide Shut. Good film. Number eight, they had Tropic Thunder. Seven, Rain Man. Yeah, that's one that I left off. Um, tough one to leave off, but... I, I kind of got my reasons for that one. Uh, they had Interview with the Vampire at six. Jerry Maguire was number five for them. Collateral was four for them. I think that's the closest we came, uh, me in the article. Yeah, Collateral was four for them. Born on the 4th of July, uh, that was third for them. Magnolia was two, and A Few Good Men was number one for them, so... Yeah, Collateral and A Few Good Men were the only two that I had in my top five that Oh, and Jerry Maguire, uh, that they had in their top five. Other than that interview with the vampire and Tropic Thunder, uh, I had ranked higher on mine. Uh, surprisingly, though, they didn't even have Cocktail on any of their list, and I would have absolutely thrown Cocktail on mine, uh, but it's kind of hard to windle down your 10 favorite Tom Cruise movies and performances, man. It really is, because I challenge you to do it. And then I challenge you to tweet me your favorite. Uh, you know what? You don't even have to do top 10. Just give me your top five. What are your favorite Tom Cruise performances? Comment on the episode link. Hit me up on Twitter. Wonderful underscore radio. All right. That'll do it for this week. Thank you all for hanging out. And as always, until next time, peace and love.